Hello, Stephen Dan Fouts here. We're veteran educators who've created the Teach Different Conversation podcast to inspire all of us to think deeper, listen with more intention, and understand each other better. If you're a parent, educator, or anybody who wants to think in new ways that build real understanding about what's important in life and to help others do the same, then you've come to the perfect place. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Teach Different podcast. Uh, tonight, we have a quote from Aristotle about critical thinking that we're going to get to in a minute here. So we're going way back uh, to the Greeks for our inspiration tonight for our conversation. And we have a great guest tonight, Joe Schmidt, who is a social studies specialist with the Maine Department of Education. And he'll be introducing himself when he first uh, talks about the quote. Our method so that everybody's familiar, we're gonna start with that provocative quote. We're gonna then talk about the claim of the quote, interpret it, put in our own words, discuss how we might use it with students in the classroom. And then at a certain point in the conversation, we're gonna to shift to the counterclaim and try to push against what Aristotle is gonna be saying and, and do it in a way that you really believe it. So that there is that tension in the conversation where you have ideas competing with one another. And that's where the kids really come alive during this method and during this process. We'll end with a little essential question and, and be on our way. Here we go. Aristotle. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Joe, welcome to the show. What's your take on this quote? Uh, well, good afternoon, good evening. Um, thank you for having me. Um, thank you for that kind introduction again. Uh, my name is Joe Schmidt. I'm currently the social studies specialist and acting coordinator of secondary education for the Maine Department of Education. Uh, I'm also currently in year one of a three-year term on the NCSS Board of Directors. Um, I teach a so elementary social studies methods course at the University of Maine, and in whatever spare time is left over, I'm finishing the book. We were talking right before we hit record. Um, coming out this spring, you'll be able to purchase um, my book, Civil Discourse and Classroom Conversations for Stronger Communities, um, co-written with uh, Nichelle Pinckney and our author mentor, Julie Stern. Um, and this is something like I think it, it's such a great quote in there because so much of the time that we're, we spend talking about civil discourse is that idea of, you know, agree to disagree, or at least the idea that we can disagree, but not be disagreeable. And I think this Aristotle quote fits into that idea, because I, I can, I can hear what you're saying, right? What Aristotle is saying, I, that entertaining that idea, I'll entertain it. I'll hear you out. I would have to say that doesn't mean I'm going to go with it. That doesn't mean I'm going to have my mind changed. So uh, the reason I really like this quote is I think that that's a goal we want of our students to be able to hear those things, hear all things, hear all those approaches um, and really accept what uh, either fits our own personal beliefs or maybe more importantly in an educator's mind where we have like that claims evidence reasoning component, right? As, um, 
Dr. Uh, Sam Weinberg, uh, one of the co-founders of SHEG at Stanford, Stanford History Education Group, you know, he talks about, right, we all have opinions, but not all opinions are equally valid. So I think, I think that educated mind is able to walk that balance between, yeah, all right, I hear those opinions. And if we really want to get into some of that media literacy components, again, Aristotle didn't have to deal with online media literacy like that. But I think that I think that the roots of human existence still really fall into the what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And am I willing to hear you out on it? Yeah, that willingness to hear someone out. I'm getting the same thing, Joe, from this. You know, what's the phrase? Open-mindedness, maybe. I feel like this is a quote that is talking about open-mindedness and critical thinking in a way. You know, two terms that lots of people are familiar with, but they're things that you just, you should have if you're educated, right? If you have a mind that is, you know, thinking, it's beyond the moment. You know, you're actually considering these types of things. What do you need? You need to be a critical thinker. You need to be open-minded. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be educated, right? That's kind of how I was reading it as well. Yeah, building on that, I like the word entertain. You know, when you entertain a thought, you're bringing it in but you're not ex without accepting it. You're not immediately saying it's true. You're entertaining it with the idea that you're going to mull it over, think about your past experiences and critically think about it to see if it's actually something you can accept. And that Aristotle is almost calling on patience here in, in thinking. And I mean, Joe, you mentioned social media. This is so important for kids to understand this when they get showered with this information before just blindly accepting it, they have to entertain it and really think about it. And that is becoming a lost art in, in many ways. Yeah, in her uh, book, Dr. Diana has her 2009 book, uh, Controversy in the Classroom, right? She talks about you know, the, the role of bringing these uh, topics in are to, you know, fairly consider them and critically evaluate. And I think that that's one of those pieces that, you know, just because we bring something in doesn't mean that it's worthwhile. We then critically evaluate the worth of that to determine, right? So I think that that's the, the role. And I think that's what Aristotle's getting at is, you know, we're not shutting people out. We're not, you know, uh, living in an echo chamber, but we are maybe even potentially seeking out to those differing points of view so that we can fairly consider them, but then critically analyze, you know, that, that educated mind would critically analyze them. And in the end, you know, they may or may not accept it, but you don't have to accept it to, to be educated. Really good way of saying it. And the only thing I would add is the word entertain, I want to believe that that word is serious and that we don't come across as being, I guess the word would be disingenuous. You know, everyone's been in a conversation with someone who the other person maybe is asking for your opinion, but you can just tell that they're just biding time, 
so that they can give their take on it. And they don't really care about what you're saying. They, they just want to kind of give you a little bit of oxygen to say something. But the real goal is to get their own position out. And I don't know, I mean, that would be a hard thing to read into this quote. I would just say that whatever the whatever he meant by this, it's that idea that at least the 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 different ideas are out there, and that you're not just sticking to your own. You know, you are entertaining. That's the first step. And maybe the phrase, Steve, is active listening. When yeah, okay. you're actively listening to people, you aren't just being disingenuous. You literally are trying to figure out what they're saying and you are entertaining their thoughts in good faith, but you're right. We, and Joe, you can agree to this. I'm sure when you talk to certain people, you look in their eyes and they're just reloading their opinion. They're not really listening to, to what you're saying. And you, we know what that feels like. And then when we do that to other people inadvertently, you know, they know what it feels like as well. So we want to avoid that. Well, that's where I was wondering almost, you know, when you say like active listening, is that even enough, though, if we really want to maybe get to the best case scenario of what of what we think Aristotle was meaning at this? Because exactly what you were saying, Dan, like, you know, can I be actively listening just to rebut you? And I maybe have no intention of actually considering that. So maybe it's, you know, th- uh, the educated mind is able to thoughtfully consider without accepting, you know, because I think if we differentiate right in a debate where you're yes and I'm no, I'm going to be actively listening so that I can still win. And I don't know if the, the intent there would be to change my mind at all. Great point, Joe. I mean, because in a debate, you really do have to know what the other side is thinking and why they're thinking it. But that's not because <laughs> that you really believe in what they're saying you're just readying yourself and reloading yeah you have to active again you have to actively listen in good faith where you're really considering what they're saying and yeah it it has to be honest because people can you know they can sniff that out pretty quickly joe if you look at this let's move to the counterclaim you look at this quote Is there another perspective here, whether it's another definition of an educated mind or whether you want to play with some other words here, but what would you say is the best way to push against a quote like this? Well, I think one of the things we we were kind of working with a little bit there is I think we were pivoting around entertain being more than like a checking of the box. Um, And I think that that's where... I think we're making the equation to an educated mind, right, is is actively engaged, thoughtfully working, considering. I think we put a lot of, you know, more of higher order thinking verbs in place of entertain as we talked through it there. And so I think that's in there. Um, Although the other part that really, you know, comes out to me is if I if I played this out for a while, and I were to, you know, ask Aristotle, would an educated mind, he doesn't say this, but he does imply without accepting it, entertaining a thought without accepting it. Is that true indefinitely? 
is the first part of a conversation okay? The second part, the th- a third topic, a fourth topic? Can we say, hey, nice job. You really were thoughtful and entertaining that thought and we understand why you didn't change your mind. But if, if we got to a point where somebody never accepted a, d- a different thought, would we still feel that that was, was an educated piece? And I even struggle with the educated piece in there because I think you have you know, people who are absolute experts in their fields who can give you all of the information and knowledge, and we'd say they're highly, highly, highly educated, and they might not ever step back from a position in which they've taken a stance, good, bad, or other. And again, you know, so I think there are those nuances in there, and I think it's playing it out to, you know, to an extreme level. If somebody were to never change a thought or if somebody was so educated on a topic that they might not even be willing to consider. But again, then it pivots on the, you know, what does that mean by entertain, I guess. That's a, that's the big word in there. I would even say educated is a big word too. I don't know if, if, is there a common definition of educated? What's an educated mind? That's really what the quote is, is talking about. I'm, I'm struggling with a counterclaim myself with this. I can it's, jump in. Yeah. You know, going with what you, you said, Joe, I, I really think Aristotle is talking initially w- when you first hear an idea to be able to entertain a thought without, you know, accepting it. And what it makes me think of is a lot of times we accept things based on trust and faith. We don't sit there and critically analyze what's being told to us ad nauseum. We feel almost intuitively that things are true and we act on that, on, on that, uh, um, in that way. So I really think Aristotle is being very biased towards critical thinking here. So one crit- one counterclaim could be that you could base your beliefs, you could still be an educated person, but you could base some of your beliefs on trust and faith and not needing to entertain and slow down and be patient and consider all sides before making decisions and shaping the be- your beliefs about the world. Let me restate the quote going with that, Dan. It's the mark of an educated mind to show conviction through intuition. But that becomes different than what I would believe an educated mind is. Not a bad thing, but but I did that do justice to the way you were saying it? Dan? Yeah, I think so. I think so. The, the idea behind it is that you have conviction with your beliefs and that's what makes you smart or, or educated that you have the courage to state your opinion and believe it wholeheartedly. If I go back to it. I'm trying to put it into words, a counterclaim with educated because I think what might be a negative in this quote to some people is how maybe we interpret the idea of educated. And I think you can play it both ways, right? I think there are very knowledgeable individuals 
who maybe ne- you know do not have that formal education, they a college degree, or maybe you know didn't even finish high school. And so I think Aristotle opens the door to that idea, say, you know, the educated mind isn't the, you know, necessarily one with a degree or this or that, but it's, it's the one who's willing to do this. So I'm wondering if a counterclaim can be made where it's not about being an educated mind, it's an, it's an open mind, or it's a knowledgeable mind, or it's an understanding um, mind in it, because maybe it's not about being educated. Maybe it has nothing to do with education and it has to do, it is the, it is the mark of, a, of a personality that's open to, to change, open to compromise, open to others. It is the mark of a personality open to others who is able to entertain a thought. And maybe if we really dug into it, we would find that, you know, some of those traits overlap, but they don't always overlap. And Aristotle is potentially um, confusing those two. I love that, Joe. It is the mark of an open mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. You made me then think you could also call it like it's the mark of of an empathetic person to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. You know, when you live someone else's shoes or you you listen to someone else's story. So I, I really like that way to approach the counterclaim. You deal with the, the word educated because it does have some negative connotations in certain contexts. And now I'm thinking about, you know, the student experiences, you know, with this, because for a moment there, I loved empathy. I was like, yeah, that's what it is. It's the empathetic person as opposed to the educated mind. And it's trying to put themselves in the shoes. But okay, so maybe the story in my head, I'm going back and forth. Does it prove it or not prove it? Does it prove it or does it not prove it? Um, you know, I said it in my years of teaching high school government, one of the things that became very apparent to me is we would discuss um, welfare reform. And, you know, I said the, the almost the number one indicator that I could find in a student's belief in what should happen with welfare reform was their closest proximity to it. If their closest proximity to welfare was a family member who had benefited, who had, you know, turned their life around, who managed to go to school or get a job or whatever, they tended to be pro-welfare. If someone's closest experience was somebody who, uh, you know, a lot of times it was a neighbor, right? Oh, we've seen the neighbor. They have a big screen TV at Christmas and we know they're on welfare, right? They're abusing it. They don't need it. They would, they would be against it. And so I'm trying to figure out where does the empathy in there mean? How are they accepting? Because these groups didn't necessarily, you know, they would say they would entertain a thought. Both groups, I would say, do you think there are people who need welfare? Yes, everybody'd say yeah. Do you think there's people who abuse the system? Oh yeah, every, everybody'd say yeah. And then it was that differential, right? If you think more people need it than abuse it, then you're okay with welfare. If you think more people abuse it than need it, you you want you know it's, it should be gotten rid of or changed or something like that. And I would say both of those sides entertain the other person's uh, the other side. They entertain that thought without accepting it. 
And I'm wondering where that empathy fits in, right? Because there seems to be this lens of what they think somebody else's component, their, maybe not their, their need or their experience with welfare has internalized something with them. So I'm really right. liking now we've gone educated into empathetic, but then did empathetic really disallow the entertaining? If we go back to our pivot word around entertaining, were you so empathetic had you had you brought in somebody's experience? But again, then we're going to probably have to dissect, well, what do we really mean by empathy? Are those students empathetic to those situations or are they just aware of them? This is a, a layered quote. This is not an easy quote, in my opinion, to do. Joe, for the reasons you just pointed out, you know, because educated and entertained those are the ones that just they, they, they make it uh, they make it layered in when you're finding the claim and the counterclaim. And I think many educators, you know, probably even listening to this podcast, if we were to say, yeah, 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 no, no, you're going to have students who will entertain all the thoughts, but they're never going to accept another person's idea would not think that that would be the goal of what we would want with the students. Right. So they might, they might push on that piece. Like that's not, no, that's not, that's not education. The education piece is that openness. And at some point we do have to, you know, at least be willing to accept some other thoughts, but in a, in a one-off snapshot, you know, again, this one piece, I think that, yeah, you're able to entertain that thought. If we take it for face value, we take the face value of what's being in here. Um, but yeah, this is why I, I loved playing with this, this quote, because what, what are we trying to get at here? Yeah, it, it goes in, in interesting directions. And I think it, it would be interesting to share with students because again, we're always preaching open-mindedness, entertaining thoughts without accepting them, but you have to make decisions. You have to accept certain things in order to chart your course in life. So you can't spend all of your time just in a, in a, in a position of deliberation about everything. Entertaining thoughts. Right. Oh yeah. I've been entertaining thoughts for a long time. And what, well, what have you done in your life? I don't know. I've been entertaining thoughts. And a lot of times kids get, and teachers too, we get trapped into thinking too much about things and not ever taking a stand on things. And, I think that is something that the kids, you know, you could work with in this quote that the kids would find interesting, that balance between remaining open-minded, but having conviction and moving forward with decisions. And one thing I was doing as you were talking, Joe, I, 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 tr I was trying to think of why is it hard to entertain thoughts from another person who you, you might not agree with, you probably don't agree with, you're not accepting their thoughts in the sense that they, you believe they're true, but you're, you're entertaining them. Why is that hard? And guess what word came up that we could also replace educated by? Tell me what you think this sounds like. It's the mark of a courageous mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. I would like to counterclaim that one because Dan's got me really going. I think 
I loved the point he made, right? Like we can sit around and entertain thoughts all day long. To me, that's almost the sign of an uneducated person, right? I'll sit, I think, right? Isn't that what some of our social media and Facebook? There you go. I will click all day long, but we do have to make decisions. Right. It's not a big stand. You know, one of the examples I talk, uh, you know, a lot about, you know, with educators in professional development is different ways that we approach thinking is like the idea of, you know, where are we going to go out to eat or what are we going to have for supper tonight? Right. Well, you start by, well, what do we have? You know, it's it's all the op- uh, the options you brainstorm. Then, you know, well, you know, we had Italian last night or I don't want to go out. I'm on a budget. You start to, you know, bring it down. You start to narrow down the list. You know, you have. um uh, right question institute rothstein and santana right they would say it's divergent thinking that brainstorming you do a metacognitive approach you start to think about what's important then you start to converge back down because if you didn't dan right if we never made a decision about what to eat if we pontificated about all of the entertaining thoughts we would starve at some point we do have to so maybe that's the counter claim to this it's the mark of an uneducated mind to entertain thoughts without accepting them. I love it. That's the counterclaim. <laughs> I think I think our work's out. I think we figured it out. We put it I, I think we figured it out. <laughs> How is it uneducated? Go explain that to me. Because you're spending your time in deliberation, not in action. And education, to be an educated person, is someone who not only thinks, but who acts and has conviction and pushes forward with their beliefs, not constantly That's where in a I'll state just push of back a little bit on deliberation. the word educated, because I don't even get a sense of where action <laughs> exists in educated people. Like some educated people believe that you should act. Rightly so, because I agree with that. But that's where why I came up with courage, because it's more action oriented. But I'm listening to both of you, and it's making sense to me. Are you are you entertaining our thoughts? Or are you just uh, waiting to push back? Are you really? Are you even though you're not accepting? Joe, you 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 <laughs> called me on it. <laughs> You tell me if I've captured what you both are saying here. Paralysis by analysis. Is that the phrase? Yep. I I mean, is that really what we're talking about here? If you're entertaining so many thoughts, you will not act. And I think, again, if we go to extremes, right, we think about the students You know, I used to do Likert scales or like, you know, value lines, right? If you're strongly agree over here. And then what I would do is I would debate them. Okay. You, you know, you believe, you know, chocolate ice cream is better over here. You think vanilla ice cream is better over here. And I always had students who would sit in the middle, right? Well, and then, so my, you know, in the early years, what I would do is kind of chop them, you know, right? Okay. Well, you three over here, you five over here, that gives us even teams. But then when I would go to have them take a stance on something, okay, well, tell me why it's chocolate. I don't know. You put me here. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't really want to be here. Right. Like that then became their out. And it wasn't, I don't even know if they were so much like in action as like almost unthoughtful about it. I'm just going to listen very passively or maybe even active listening. If we go back to what we said earlier, 
But I think that, you know, even the C3 framework, right, has that dimension four is taking informed action of an inquiry arc. If we're going to be looking at something, you know, to do something with it. And, you know, and again, I think if we just look at face value, and I think this is where we all started, that I don't think any of us really wanted to counterclaim Aristotle until we started really picking apart pieces in there. Because I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, it's an uneducated person who, you know, doesn't act. But I think for me, that gets a lot closer to, I think, what a, a reasonable counterclaim would be, is that if you really want to be considered, you know, as educated, whether that's formal education, or just, you know, the sage that everybody turns to for advice, at some point, they're going to tell you something to do, right? Like, I don't think we would go, you know, to advice for the person, hey, you're great at advice. Here's my problem. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. So what should I do? Hmm. Tell me more. Let's consider more options. Let's no. At some point I need you to tell me something. That's why I came to you for advice. I need you to pick something to eat tonight so we don't starve. I need you to take a stance on our topic so that you can write a nice, strong argumentative paper in my class. Well said, well said. Yeah, so, okay, I think we definitely worked with the claim and finally got to a, a very legitimate counterclaim on this. And this could go in a lot of different directions if you were to give this to students. And, you know, sometimes when you do these quotes, you end with a lot of kind of frayed thinking on different things. But the fact that the kids have grappled with it is always, you know, a really good sign that they're, they're thinking about it. In terms of an essential question, I mean, there's so many different ones you could do off of this one. Here's one, you know, what is the mark of an educated mind might come out of this? You know, what is the mark of an educated mind? And I kind of imagine kids maybe having a mini discussion about, well, I think education is being able to be open-minded. Well, really, I think education is being able to do things in the world and to be productive in society. That's really what education is about. So this might actually fold into what is the purpose of an education? You never know. You never know. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being Dan, our guest. Dan, I got Joe. Can I keep going here? I got an idea with this. Of course. Like I said, I, Put it out there. See, I love student voice and choice. And not only does it rhyme, but I also feel like it's really helpful. So I'm going to come back. I, I would want to have students. I would take this and I would think about all those nuance because, Dan, what you got my attention right at the end there, he said, OK, we might just have I think you said frayed, right? Might have all these frayed, right? It's not a nice clean. And then I would turn that over to the students. Write the essential question. It's student voice and choice, because if I'm a student who's hung up on entertain, right, is that checking a box? Is that this, that and the other thing? My questioning might be, does entertaining a thought truly mean consideration? If I'm hung up on or working with educated, Dan, you gave us a great example of one of that. You know, we might talk about accepting it. Does, um, does um, would an educated person ever truly never accept another point of view? And, you know, I do uh, a series of, of trainings and presentations around inquiry and the first one um, that I usually do is called questions are the new answers. And I talk about like, 
I, you can assess students by the questions that they'd ask. So I could see doing this activity and then say, my assessment, our exit slip, our whatever is, you write the essential question that you would want your classmates to answer, right? And if wherever I'm taking it, and I think by judging the students on their question, you're going to get just as much, I think, insight or maybe more than if you had said, okay, here's the quote, write a little reflection piece on it. And then my my sugar on top, my frosting on top, the icing on top is the word I'm looking for, is I have an activity where I say you have students bring these questions in and then you pick the question of the day. I call it one more question. So you could say tomorrow we're going to revisit this with one more essential question. Everybody give us a proposal and then put things out there on the table, right? And to hear kids debate, or to probably discuss would be a better word, to engage in a discussion about why their question might be better than a, a peer's question is another entire layer of another just level. getting into their head. Like we could get done and not even have the students like write down anything. And I think you'd really have a lot of insight if they tore it apart, did the three steps, and then instead of us coming up with the essential question, having them write each an essential question and then determine what's the essential question that we should discuss one more time with this quote, I think you go through that, you're going to know all you need to know about your kids before you even get to that last day. Love it. Love it. I love that. And formulating good questions is an intensely valuable academic exercise and Absolutely. it would be great that's a, that's a great suggestion joe so joe how can people get a hold of you if they're interested um well the uh best way to get a hold of me usually is on twitter i'm at madison teacher i also have a website www.joeschmidtsocialstudies.com you'll get to see more information i have a newsletter that you can sign up for um, I tweeted out every couple of weeks with a different question. Um, so yesterday's question is, is pumpkin spice overdone in the fall? Um, and people are out there talking about, ah, yes, no, maybe, you know, we've got pumpkin spice lovers, but uh, you can get a little hold of that listserv and we'll have in the coming months uh, more information about getting the book pre-ordered, hopefully available um, next fall or next spring, but I'm also available. I do a lot of professional development for districts um, and other groups around um, the country. So please reach out to me again at Madison Teacher or find me at www.joeschmidtsocialstudies.com. And I believe I'm coming back. I think we were talking about a follow-up one because I'm super excited. I had so much fun. We could just do episode number two right now because I don't think I'm going to sleep. Because that's how, how much adrenaline I've going right now. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're going to see you in the late spring sometime, you know, after your book is out and everything. Joe, really appreciate your time. Um, you know, I've, I've been connecting with you over Twitter for three or four years now, and you've always been a great advocate for the social studies. And hopefully one day when we have another face-to-face -face conference, <laughs> we can sit down and have dinner or something. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Yeah, you've been a You've been a good supporter as well, not only when I was running for NCSS Board of Directors, but retweeting all my information, getting out there and being, you guys do good work and I'm happy to support you. Great. Well, nice thank you. you. Have Joe. a wonderful night, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We hope you're walking away feeling energized by some great ideas and are confident that conversations like this are possible with just a little bit of planning and a three-step method. 
Make sure you go to teachdifferent.com to learn more and check out our library of conversation plans where we've compiled dozens of quotes, each with their own claim, counterclaim, and essential question. Good luck, and don't forget to teach different with conversations and make a difference every day.